and the Flat Out Strange from the other side of cinema. I am Mark Dickerson. And I am Jeremy Fink. And this is episode 12, which concludes our current series, Rock and Reel, Cult Music Films of the 60s and 70s. Today we'll be talking about Rock and Roll High School from 1980, directed by Alan Arkush, featuring the world-famous Ramones. It's 1980! Welcome to Rock and Roll High School! Rock and Roll High School? Do you want I am Miss Togar, and I am the new principal of this school. They tried to stop their music, but the kids got wrecked and rocked the school. I just talked to the chief of police. He's going to storm the building. Rock and Roll High School, the school where the students rule. Could your school be next? So, as we said, Rock and Roll High School from 1980, directed by Alan Arkush. This film was produced by Roger Corman, who, of course, is known for being a producer of kind of cult movies and uh, independent cinema from the 60s into the 70s. He's known for jump-starting careers of directors such as Martin Scorsese, Peter Bogdanovich, and many more. Also very well known for working with Jack Nicholson, who, as we've discussed previously, seems to pop up everywhere. (laughs) However, it does not pop up in the movie we're talking about today. Unfortunately. Um, Unfortunately, yes. It would have been an interesting little performance. I'm sure he could have been worked in nicely. (laughs) Um, So basically what we're looking at here is a film that's set in 1980 at a school called Vince Lombardi High, named after the famous Vince Lombardi, first head coach of the Green Bay Packers, who won won the first Super Bowl. Um, Kind of a random reference there. Um, But they keep losing principles and are nervous because of the students' love of rock and roll and their extreme disregard from education. So they hire a new principal by the name of Miss Evelyn Togar. Mm -hmm. Played by the wonderful Mary Warrenov, who we'll talk a little bit about later. She is Um, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite actresses probably ever. Um, but this new new director, Miss Togar, um, is kind of a Nazi-esque uh, dictator of a principal who tries to get the students to stop listening to their rock and roll music, but a, rambunc- a rambunctious student by the name of Riff Randall, played by PJ Souls, who is the biggest Ramon fan at Vince Lombardi High, or perhaps in the world, uh, brings the music to the school and gets tickets for all the other students to get them to the show. Um, and then, you know, chaos ensues and rock and roll goes crazy. Because mm-hmm. rock and roll is evil, apparently. Yes, it's the devil's music, as they say. <laughs> as they say. Um, so, yeah, what were your, I guess, what like, what are your first impressions of wh- when you saw this film? Was it the first time for you to see it? Yeah, so this was okay. the first time watching this one for me. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with this film. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it's not it's not a super, super deep introspective um i don't want to say not thought-provoking because i think it is thought-provoking uh but maybe not necessarily for the reasons that were intended i think it's it's maybe more thought-provoking thought-provoking in retrospect looking Mm -hmm. back at the journey that rock and roll took kind of before and after the watershed moment that was 1980 Mm -hmm. um i mean you got to think 1980 you know that's kind of right after uh, I believe Off the Wall, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall came out in 1978 or 79. We'll have to check that date. Mm-hmm. Um, ACDC's Black and Back in Black came out in 1980. Um, so this, this is, you know, Motley Crue released their first album in 1980, I believe. So this is a big, big kind of turning stone moment as we're moving mm-hmm. into kind of the post-Led Zeppelin, post-70s, mm-hmm. um, 
moment for rock and roll and then moving into the consumerism and pop of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting seeing this moment where you have all these kids. Uh, this this feels to me like one of the last big like rock and roll sticking it to the man moments mm-hmm. before things kind of started going in a very different direction into the next two decades and three decades to follow. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, to some extent, all films are a product of their time, but I do feel like this one in particular very much a, a product of its time. Um, you know, you have Roger Corman, you have the Ramones, these two giant legendary, you know, personas coming together. Um, it all just makes some sort of weird sense in a way. It's, that's what I thought when I was watching it. It's like, you know, this this shouldn't work, but it, it kind of does. Um, yeah. Just all these things coming together and just the timing of it. And apparently the timing was um, a bit up in the air. I was reading about it. Um, they, Roger Corman of um, he originally wanted to make Disco High School. <laughs> so Disco that's, High School. That would have been a very different that's, movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would have been, you know, if, if they had made it earlier. But I guess it took longer to make for whatever reason. And then, uh, well, they, they kind of made that with uh, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. Right. But uh, um, not as cheap, I guess. But... <laughs> not as cheap. Not as cheap and not as wacky, I would imagine, right. as a Roger Corman Saturday Night Fever would have been. Definitely. Um, so... You know, so I guess the timing of it was like, oh, rock's big now. So let's, you know, let's who's big? Uh, the Ramones. All right. Let's throw them mm-hmm. in there. So it's kind of a hodgepodge. But like I said, it just makes some sort of weird sense. I, it's hard to explain. Um, but as you said, you know, compared to the other films we watch, this is obviously more of a much more of a silly all out comedy um, than the other ones. Not quite as existential. Um, mm-hmm. I noted that it's, it's more Zucker Brothers or National Lampoon than Avant Garde. Exactly. Yeah, um, it, like... it definitely had that that influence. It, obviously, it pulled kind of from National Lampoon, who was popular at the time. Mm-hmm. But I also felt that it's a kind of interesting considering it, uh, which is why I say maybe it is thought provoking to a certain level. Um, it, it kind of preceded like the John Hughes eighties movies um, and something like, uh, but also kind of in the in the more art house something like a Heather's mm-hmm. um, or maybe a Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Not to call them art house, but you know maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. A little less uh, aimed at a commercial audience and a little bit more maybe aimed at a, an emotional, character-driven, mm-hmm. dark comedy kind of core. Um, but sure. kind of the coldness that those movies have, you know, like the characters are... It, it doesn't really have any sentimentality in this movie. No. There, there are a few little moments, but no. other than that, it's really about, like, the rock and roll and yeah. being badass. There, there's no, like, like, you know, characters get their heart broken, but ultimately the cure for that is rock and roll. It's not... Yeah, you know, finding true love. It's extremely lighthearted. Um, I think mm-hmm. the closest we get to feeling any kind of emotion might be when, uh, at least for me, the scene mm-hmm. where, um, when she's just kind of like pining about the Ramones, you know, PJ Souls when she's her. I can't remember her character right now. What's whatever her uh, character? Riff Randall. Riff, Riff Randall. Randall. How could I forget that? Riff Randall when she's uh, on her bed, you know, pining away about the Ramones, and and then uh, she there's that cool sequence, or it's actually my favorite part in the movie where they. Uh, she imagines them being in the room mm-hmm. with her and singing to her. I want you around. And I don't know why that just, I don't know. It speaks to me for some reason. It's just like a, that kind of like longing when you're like a teenager and stuff like that. And, um, but other than that, yeah, it's just a very, uh, silly movie. There's tons of sight gags, you know, mm-hmm. abundance of like non sequitur jokes and stuff like that. That's why it reminded me of the Zucker brothers a little bit like yeah. air, airplane kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of humor, um, which, which I do enjoy. I mean, it, there's a place for that, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I guess I feel was... like... yeah. Sorry, what was sorry. I, I feel like what what helps this one in that regard in making it not too just zany mm-hmm. is the rock and roll. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like like at its core, this yeah. is a music a music movie. Yeah. And that sometimes, you know, the, the pure comedy, silly movies kind of you watch them and they're funny when you watch them but once you've seen the jokes once or twice mm -hmm. they don't hold up whereas this is a movie i mean i've only seen it once so i don't know i guess i'll have to rewatch it but i i think this is one that would hold up just because at the end of the day like the ramones music holds up over yeah. time and if you're into that and you're into mm -hmm. the spirit of punk then you know even the silly jokes that might fall flat down the line <laughs> uh you can kind of look over to really get into the music i just pictured the giant mouse when you said yeah. that. that that was the most bizarre it's the most bizarre running gag i think i've ever seen in any movie yeah. but probably my favorite <laughs> moment of the movie honestly well when he's when the when the mouse is trying to get into the show or when the sh which kind of all of just the, like the moment so just the just to fill everyone in yeah. um if you haven't seen the movie but once again with any episode we do for this show we highly recommend watching the movie yes. ahead of time Watch um, first and then watch first and, just because yeah. we're kind of riffing on it here and it can mm -hmm. be a little bit confusing um, but there is uh, this moment where the principal has pointed out that they've been testing rock and, mo rock and roll music on uh, lab mice, mm -hmm. um, and the, the, the mice are having a reaction, which is kind of in the form of wearing rock and roll clothing and being kind of badass and punk. It's very fun. But then later in the movie, we all of a sudden see these mice. We see the parents of the mice, uh, the parents of the, the mouse, of the and the mouse itself uh, <laughs> as full-size in mouse costumes mm -hmm. um, at the Ramon concerts. And for me, that moment, first seeing the full-size mice was one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie. <laughs> like, like I, w I was sitting alone watching this, and I laughed out loud at the sheer... Because that's like a Monty Python, like... Oh, yeah, that's Just like... pure, pure absurdism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In a movie that doesn't really have... No. Like, it's absurd, but doesn't really have, like, that kind of absurdism. Right. Other than that one gag running through yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so strange about it. That and... I guess blowing up the school is pretty bizarre, but yeah. Um, but I do love that that ending. But um, yeah, the mouse is is, yeah, it's just so bizarre. It's just, and it keeps going. You know, they keep cutting back to the mouse and and things like that. It's just, it just, it's almost like someone had a mouse costume. They're like, how can we work? You know, and, and knowing how Roger Corman works, that actually kind of makes sense that he would be like, yeah. we have this mouse costume. Let's uh, try to work it in the movie. Uh, who knows? <laughs> probably you know? true. It probably yeah. is. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I thought that was really funny. But um, going back to what you're saying, because I want to get into this a little bit. We talked, you know, we obviously this series is all about the music and the musicians. Uh, so how did the implementation of the the songs and the musical sequences, how did they work for you in this film? Oh, I thought they were great. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's iconic music, which helps immediately. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, like one of the great sequences was the, the band playing in Riff Randall's room. Um, which I thought this is a really beautiful sequence, which we referenced briefly before, where Riff Randall puts a record on and the band is all of a sudden in her room playing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's a build up here. Except to, the drummer, he's outside. <laughs> except the drummer, yeah. There, there's a build up to an actual concert mm -hmm. in the in the film, which I always think is is kind of a nice way to integrate in music movies. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought that it was really well integrated, and I thought that it kind of created a really beautiful soundtrack to the insanity of what was going on in a way that didn't feel uh, contrived or like mm. it was a stretch in any way. And there is uh, sort of a, like a, you said, like because you don't get to the concert until, what, probably 40, 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah, so pretty far in. There's a pretty good buildup, you know, them mentioning the Ramones and she's the biggest Ramones fan and, mm -hmm. you know, and then that one scene where you see them in a room. So it's it's a pretty good buildup, I think, to the musicians. If, if you're not that familiar with them, I think it's, they did a pretty good job with that. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I happen to like the Ramones, like I, I mentioned earlier to you before we recorded, and um, sounds like you do too. So, mm-hmm. um, just based on that alone, I, I did. I think that's why I enjoy this film the, that much because. Um, not that it's a, an amazing film or anything like that. I mean, it is enjoyable and entertaining, but the fact that the Ramones are in it, um, they've always fascinated me for whatever reason. I think it's partly, you know, they don't look like typical musicians, um, particularly Joey, the, the lead singer. Um, mm-hmm. He has such a such a strange, uh, <laughs> everything about him, just his posture, his looks, like everything is so strange. And it's, it's funny Dick Miller even, you know, he shows up in the film. He's one of uh, Roger Corman's stock players and he makes a comment, you know, those Ramones are ugly people. So it's mm-hmm. like it's like they were self-aware about it, but it's also funny because the main character and, and all the girls in the school were like, oh, the Ramones are so dreamy, you know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess because... But, but there but, is a certain sexuality, like it, it's Yeah, the rock and explain. roll element. You the know, rock and it, roll thing, yeah. yeah like there's this moment where like she talks about them eating pizza and then you see them eating pizza hey, and pizza. like there was there was just something so like unexplainably 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 sexual about Joey Ramone just sitting there like this greasy man <laughs> eating this yeah. greasy food that like shouldn't be attractive at all mm-hmm. but like I could totally see how that would be like you know yeah. it's kind of like this rough around the edges yeah. like just this well, just the sauce falling on his shirt it's like it's you know that rebelliousness it's like, yeah. you know the, these are rebels who make loud fast music and you know yeah so that and the whole point of the movie is that you know fuck the man we're gonna yeah <laughs> we're he, gonna... he eats pizza the way you wouldn't want a guy coming over to your house for dinner <laughs> to eat yeah. you know it's like it's like the exact opposite of what you would want your parents to yeah. think of you as being associated with yeah if you brought joey um, joey ramone home to your parents you know you probably have some explaining to do yeah. so well and, and they lived it for sure too mm-hmm. yeah ramone. exactly they were the real I, deal that's why I, you know one of the yeah. reasons i like them so much I actually, which I don't even think I mentioned this, I have a little funny Ramones anecdote, obviously oh. not something that happened to me personally because I was not born back then. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in the late 70s, um, my, my, so my dad is a photographer, mm-hmm. and in the very late 70s, um, him and his friend Rich would go to this club in, in the Albany area where I'm originally from called J.B. Scott's, and they'd photograph tons of musicians. I think they photographed, um, just to name a few, I want to say like Joan Jett, they photographed... Wow. Um, uh, uh, who is Edgar Winter? Um, but one of the bands I got to take pictures of, which probably went on to be the most f- of famous of the bands they they shot, was the Ramones. Wow. And my dad was backstage taking pictures, and I believe it was Joey Ramone was so drunk that as my dad was trying to photograph him, um, Joey was trying to put his pants on, and he he was just so hammered that he got tripped up in his pants and just like fell over in, in the <laughs> middle of the dressing room and knocked stuff over. And this was oh like right after they had gotten off stage. Wow. playing a show to a couple hundred people and like you know this, so there was there, there this very real mm-hmm. visceral like you know what you're seeing on screen we mm-hmm. you know I, I don't think that it's a fabricated thing i think that they're just mm-hmm. kind of like that or were i should say right it's like you said they lived the life that you know or at least they did on stage you know and that's kind of all that matters like when they mm-hmm. were on stage you you got that energy from it and they convey that pretty well in the movie during the um during the the scene you mentioned at the concert Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, and I like, you know, I'm just a sucker for those kind of, I'm a sucker for musicals in general. And I just, so, you know, to just kind of have a, a point in the movie, you kind of sit back and just watch the band play. Like, I just think that's cool. You know, yeah. um, I always really like that. So, um, so we, uh, touched on it briefly, but we talked about the cast a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you were a big fan of, uh, the, the woman who played the principal. 
Yes. Uh, Mary Warrenov uh, is the woman who played the principal. She was a frequent frequent uh, Corman collaborator, as was her real-life husband, Paul Bartell, um, who plays a teacher, a music teacher by the name of Mr. McGree in Rock and Roll High School. Um, and he's kind of a fun character as well because he's very into, you know, Beethoven and classical music, but mm-hmm. also seems very hip to the rock and roll. And <laughs> he seems gets kind into of, it. He gets yeah, he's, into he's it, kind yeah. of down with whatever expression mm-hmm. the kids want to have as long as they're loving music and appreciating it, which is, which which is, is actually cool. like kind yeah. of maybe the most timeless yeah. concept in the entire movie is this idea that like mm-hmm. youth is going to connect to music and love it. And it doesn't matter if it's beethoven it doesn't matter if it's you know the tommy dorsey band the ramones mm-hmm. kanye west whoever that there's just always going to be this idea of youth connecting right um, but it's kind of a cool like message actually you know yeah no it's really positive yeah. um and they're always going to rebel against authority i mean obviously he's like super corny and <laughs> but yeah the fa- of course but the fact that the kids you know they actually bring him into their group and like yeah hang out with us mm-hmm. you know it's kind of cool well you have the feeling with him we're getting a little on a tangent but that's all right uh, you have the feeling with him a little bit too that maybe 20 years earlier he would have been riff randall you know, yeah. he would have been that person getting the tickets for everybody, bringing them to the show. You know, it would Probably have just for a maybe different type of music, a very different type of music. But, it, though, you know, yeah. the same kind of enthusiasm and love mm-hmm. for the thing. Um, but to get back to, to Paul Bartel and, and Mary Warrenoff. So they were frequent Corman collaborators. Um, and Paul Bartel actually was a director as well. Yeah. Yeah, in his own right. Mm-hmm. Eating Raul uh, is his big claim to fame, the, that movie that he wrote and directed. Yeah. And he also so he did Eating Raul and then he also, which is a favorite of mine. Um, and then he also directed Death Race 2000, um, which was actually that movie. That's a... yeah, a great movie features a young Sylvester Stallone <laughs> yeah. in a kind of fun role um, back, in his, yeah. Gajoy, back in his exploitation days. <laughs> um, but really, really an innovative director. So if you haven't gotten to see, I would recommend both of those movies. Um, I actually Warren haven't o- seen uh, Eating uh, eating, eating Raul. Yeah, Eating Raul. <laughs> eating Raul, is, Raul, I keep saying that wrong. Eating Raul is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, definitely way more intellectual than most i don't know if that was actually a corman movie but uh you know just to give actually i don't even want to say what it's about because i can't talk about it without spoiling it okay um but very you know very kind of fun very intellectual and, and they they had this thing warnov and paul bartell had this thing where very often they would play these intellectuals in the midst of something crazy and stupid going on um mm-hmm. so there's this movie from the 80s called chopping mall um, oh, which yeah, is I've about these you see it, it was about yeah. these killer robots uh, who have been designed to protect a mall but start killing the people inside. And they, they play like these, Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff play these very concerned citizens who are just like, you know, like, oh, well, will the security work properly? And everyone just laughs it off like, you know, it's nothing. And then, of course, it doesn't. And, and they just kind of pop up everywhere and just have this really fun feel to them. Uh, Mary Warnoff actually uh, was featured in House of the Devil, uh, which is a oh, 2009 yeah. film directed by Ty West, yeah, I saw uh, which well. is unbelievably scary in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it alone at night and I wish I had not. <laughs> um, so, so you know, if you get some time, go look into these two because they're just amazing actors, directors, mm-hmm. you name it. And she's very good in this. I mean, I thought her mm-hmm. role was, it's very one note, obviously, like everyone else's, yeah. but uh, yeah, I thought she, she did a great job with it. And whenever she's on screen, you know, it was something to look forward to. How did you mm-hmm. feel about uh, PJ Souls as Riff Randall? How did you feel? I about thought her? I thought she was a lot of fun. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not. You know, we're not talking Meryl Streep. You know, <laughs> believability here. Mm-hmm. But I, I think she. You know, she's a fun character. She has a lot of pep. Do you think um, she pulled off being 
high school age because apparently she was much older at the time when she was i mean i don't question it anymore personally yeah. <laughs> you see so many movies you know it's like mm-hmm. you think about like american pie yeah which is kind of like the maybe I'm... the definitive high school movie of the next decade mm-hmm. after the 80s honestly like... i i bought it when i you know yeah. before i looked it up i was like oh okay you know i could see yeah. it um no i because mean, when you actually see high school age kids playing high school students we're so used to seeing older people playing high school students that when you see someone who's 17 playing a high school senior you're like why is this child driving a car and you know getting (laughs) into trouble and you know it's like it doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. um it is interesting that apparently in real life she didn't she had no idea who the ramones were and was not into them at all like did not like their music uh, which well, is good for her <laughs> yeah which i guess maybe she's a better actor than we think i don't know yeah but, no, um, I, I bought it I yeah believed it. so it's kind of but i think throughout the you know as she was filming i think she got to know them personally and i think she got on mm-hmm. uh you know now she's i'm sure she ended up liking them a little bit more than she did well she she's tied to them forever so right whether, yeah you know, whether she likes it or not now mm-hmm. it's like you, you think you, i mean obviously she's not super famous but you think pj souls and it's mm-hmm. you know right there rock I mean, and roll high school she's with the band of the moment you know and and it's like you talk you know you were saying earlier um how it's kind of a timeless idea and and you know if this film was made now i mean who do you think would be <laughs> who would who would be the mus- artist or musician that would be uh featured in it you know who, that's like, tough would... i mean because i don't think it would be rock and roll no and, and that's the challenge and i also think that because rock and roll is such a specific moment, it's kind of tough because a lot of the movie, a lot of the music now, because rock and roll filled the space where it wasn't really so much about this intellectualized thing. It was more about an energy. But a lot of the music that fills that kind of space culturally now is pop music mm-hmm. more than rock and roll. But the, I, I don't see any pop artist necessarily being able to command, like like anyone who just does pop. I could see, you know, maybe a Beyonce mm-hmm. or a... You know, a Kanye West or a Childish Gambino, but the, but the, the difference is a lot of them in their music put a lot more. Of the, they have a lot more cultural critique. It's a lot more intellectual. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like the kind of devotion, I feel like, like like the students organizing things now. It would, a, it would all be through Facebook if they all wanted to right, obviously, yeah. go to go to a concert together or some other social media. And B, I think that it would be more of like an intellectual thing where rather than banging their heads and thrashing around and burning the school down, it would be a lot more like how can we enact change within the school? Yeah. You know, so, so it's, just, it's just so of the moment. It, it's hard to place how it would even work now. That's interesting. Yeah. Modern, modern musicians, uh, while they have charisma, you know, they have presence. It's, it's not the same. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, it was almost like it's almost like the, the artists were more one dimensional. But like. Yeah. But it, not in a necessarily bad way. Like I think the Ramones are maybe one-dimensional in, in a very good way. Um, yeah, it's kind of yeah. almost like Freudian. Right. You know, it's like they, you, they're this this explosive id monster mm-hmm. that's just yeah. gonna do what they do. And they stand out and they they do their thing. And yeah, it's it's. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Like artists, a lot of artists today are more, I guess, nuanced and they try different styles yeah. and they're calling on you know more, uh, you know, they're inspired by lots of different things. So. Um, yeah, it, it would definitely be, uh, I think, harder to do now. I think, it would, like you said, it would be a completely different movie. Who do you um, think it might be if, if you were <laughs> to pick kind of one musician? The, honestly, the first one I thought of was Kanye, but it's probably because you oh, just yeah. mentioned him. <laughs> I would say maybe, Ty, do, you, are, do you listen to Tyler, the creator at all? Or uh, not really, no. But I, I, Odd Future, I'm they, have, they have a little bit of a punk vibe. And, and they kind of actually, they have this kind of cultish thing because they make their own clothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is almost this weird cult-like mm-hmm things surrounding the whole odd future but but it's still it's not quite to the level of no 
and Beyonce, like even, that would be interesting too. But I, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe just, you know, part of that is just because times have changed. And yeah. I, I think a movie like this, you know, obviously would never be made again. I, I can, I feel pretty confident in saying that. I think, you know, yeah, it just unlikely to ever happen uh, to to be this surface and this kind of like fun and silly without you know like we said there's a message there's a couple messages going on but it's not really that concerned with it it's more just off the wall kind of what can we put in here you know let's make a cheap movie that features a a popular band you know that's kind of what it is and Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think for better or worse you know i think it's going to stay at that time um but it's a great uh reflection of the time and if you watch this you feel like you're in 19 well 1979 is when they filmed it um 1979 80 yeah yeah which kind of rounds out our um our series here because we were talking about uh through the uh the 60s and the 70s so um do, do you have any thoughts on that you know kind of ending this um uh, the series and and the, you know do you have anything you want to discuss about uh, the artists I, I wanted to also ask you like uh you know we talked about the movies being sort of autobiographical in a way mm-hmm. for the artists i mean do you feel like do you feel like that happened at all in this one or, or... Uh, i feel like it is to some extent Mm-hmm. but not in a direct i feel like it it's interesting because you look at each artist and i feel like the the way the movies functioned is kind of how they present their ideas mm-hmm. so you know you look at something well it, with the exception of the monkeys because obviously the way they did that movie was a total departure from everything else they did with head um but you know you look at the beatles and it's like the music is at the forefront it's really about the music but you still get the personality of this band shining through you know, they're still there. Then you look at The Who, um, and it's like the music is obviously at the forefront, but it's presented in a much more abstract way. It's kind of this larger-than-life larger thing. And then you look at the Ramones here, and like I feel like it's autobiographical in a way where we're getting the feeling of what their life is like through the movie. We're not necessarily getting uh, a beat-by-beat, beat, you know, this is where they're from, this is what they're going through at the time, but I feel like we are getting the 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 gut feeling of what it would be like to be a Ramon mm-hmm. in high school, mm-hmm. you know, listening to, I would imagine listening to like, you know, uh, all those great rockabilly bands of the fifties and the mm-hmm. early sixties um, that kind of grew into what they became. Mm-hmm. I do feel like this film out of all the other ones is more about how people perceive the musicians rather than, yeah. cause the other films, you know, you get, you get a little more intimate with each member and you get to know them on a certain level, whether it's, you know, how they want you to know them or not, but um, you get to, you know, spend some time with them. Like, uh, you know, the first movie where we talked about a hard day's night with the Beatles, you know, you get these intimate scenes of them just kind of hanging out and talking. Like there's nothing like that in this film really. And it's, it's more how, you know, the, the aura that was around the Ramones and how people perceive them. And the excitement, you know, which is cool. It's it's different. It's a different kind of way to look at it, um, because even though they the Ramones, the members themselves are in the film, they're they're not in it that much actually. I mean, I had seen it years ago, and I thought they were in it a lot more than they than yeah. they are actually, because like we said, they don't really show up until kind of later into the film, and then obviously become a, a main part of it. But um, it's not really their film though. No, it's which not. I, which I think it, is a, a common misconception with this. It's not, but it, it's not. But like I said, if you if you're into the Ramones, if you like the Ramones, I mean, I think it does make it much more enjoyable. Obviously, but uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's kind of more more of the time, uh, and more just like 
a fun movie, you know, uh, anti-establishment kind of, yeah. uh, you know, because like you said, the uh, the administration at the school is, is, you know, the principal, they're basically are uh, Nazi-esque. I mean, they're really going for that vibe. I think they actually, <laughs> I think that the principal actually uses the words, fi- I might be wrong, but I th- I'm pretty sure she actually uses the words like final solution or something oh, yeah. like that yeah. at some point, like that directly. So they're they not even, she's yeah, dressed in this it. kind of like green gray, like they're not mm-hmm. trying to hide the fact mm-hmm. that she's basically mm-hmm. a Nazi. Like right. it's pretty out there. Yeah, um, <laughs> they really go for it. Um, um, how do you think, so So as we're kind of wrapping up here, how do you mm-hmm. think, because I know I have some ideas, how do you think that this film will hold up long-term moving forward and kind of what influence, like what do you see from this in today's culture? Man, that's tough. Um, there really isn't anything like it, you know? Like we just tried mm-hmm. to, we just racked our brains to try to think of how they could even recreate this and it's crazy because in this age of reboots and rehashing of like every idea ever, um, I really can't picture it. I can't picture them doing anything like this mm-hmm. um, now. And I, I don't know. It just, it's just so of its time. Yeah. Um, sorry. I don't know if they answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I'm just thinking, cause, cause for me, like, it, like, you, like, I don't think you could do anything like this now, but I think that the influence is maybe further reaching than we would even notice. And w- without, you know, being pretentious here, I think what I would call, what what I would say ended up coming from this is something I would call like the Converse aesthetic almost, mm-hmm. where like you see these these ads for kind of Converse shoes and oh, okay. almost like skate culture and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm not sure that those things are sold the way they are today mm-hmm. without this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, that like you, sense, yeah. you see like those, those ads where it's like the band playing and kids yeah. running around spray painting walls. And it's like, it's a newer reiterate. It's a, it's a newer form of it, mm-hmm. but kind of like that rebellion and that rough around the edge mm-hmm. attitude that's so popular mm-hmm. uh, right now, particularly in, in um, clothing mm-hmm. in fashion. I feel like we might not have had without this movie and I'm not sure the music on its own would have done it. It's strange because there's a certain catering to, what the the taste of the day you know so it's like the ramones are a popular mm-hmm. band we want to get on we want to get in on that we want we want to get the kids into the theater you know so there's mm-hmm. a certain there's that aspect to, to the film which you know take that for what it is you know business is business filmmaking is a business um and roger corman was obviously very good at what he did um yeah, you know so so there's that aspect of it but then there's also like you said like we talked about earlier the timeless message of kind of you know, the music of the day and, and kids are going to be into whatever they're into, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's cool that they're into something, you know, that they're mm-hmm. passionate, passionate about something. Um, and that message is really great. And also just the anti-establishment, you know, speaks to me. I don't know if it speaks to, you know, it's just, it's just yeah, kind of totally. like, you know, why not, you know, damn the man. Like, yeah, that's radical. That, man. Yeah. So that, those aspects of it are kind of timeless and, um, uh, yeah, it's just kind of elevates it a little bit more than it, you know, it could, it could have been really, you know, shallow, you know, mm-hmm. it could have yeah. been not, not something to even talk about, but I feel like it is worth checking out. You know, I, I do feel like that. Do yeah, feel, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So that was rock and roll high school and that's going to conclude our series rock and reel. And I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to it. Uh, we'll be back next time with a brand new series. We are discussing one that we, we feel pretty good about, we're pretty excited about, called Lo-Fi Sci-Fi, uh, which uh, we, we're looking forward to digging into. So 
Thank you very much for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on iTunes and Podbean, as well as on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, please feel free to reach us out, cultmoviecult at gmail.com. All right, that's going to wrap it up, and this has been Cult Movie Cult. Until next time, so long from the other side.